I know all the people in the market. I know who's buying. I know who can get you the best price. I can get you the best price. You might not be able to do that by yourself because maybe you don't know all those connections that I know. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Heidi Addo. Heidi, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Todd. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And Heidi is with uh, Michael Commercial Real Estate. She's been with Michael Commercial since 2009. Uh, it is a family-owned brokerage, and they are one of the leading apartment brokerages in the Twin Cities specifically. They've grown, I would say, pretty substantially. And Heidi, you can fill me in on some of the details, but uh, you guys have grown very substantially over the last several years. Uh, Heidi's probably the leading person because of that. I'm assuming it's all because you joined. Uh, Your background, though, was in teaching. You were teaching elementary students. Is that right? Right on. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Love it. A former teacher here. So I, I love, uh, I love talking to former teachers and um, just hearing their stories and how they went from teaching to whatever they're doing today. So, uh, so let's dive in a little bit. Why don't you give our listeners a bit more about your background and then we can dive into a little bit more about Michael commercial and, and the background of the company. Yeah, great. Well, appreciate that. So I've actually been with Michael Commercial since 2019. I was a teacher and um, I was on my way to be a principal, did a big about face from there. And uh, Michael Commercial is a family company. My dad, Steve Michael, has been selling uh, multifamily properties since the 1980s. For 40 years, he's been doing this. He's definitely the OG in the Twin Cities market, Minnesota market. And um, he they have been, it's been um, uh, four or five guys for 40 years. And um, the three guys, Steve, Pete, and Phil have been there. Um, Then we've got Ben and then myself as well. And um, they've been doing deals, building relationships, like I said, for 40 years. And um, I joined them and I've added some things um, like uh, marketing to the to the business. So Todd, like you said, we've been doing some serious deals for, um, that people have been seeing now since I joined, but before that they were doing those deals before, but no one knew they were doing that because they didn't have a promoter. They weren't, you know, visible. And with technology, I brought, you know, that was part of the value add that I brought was, okay, let's get ourselves out there. Cause we're already doing the deals. We already have the relationships. We're already making moves here. Everybody knows us, but we need to be more visible. And um, so uh, that's definitely something that I brought to the team, uh, being a promoter, being heavy on the marketing. You know, I've increased our expenses quite a bit, but um, we've also increased the size of deals and the scope of deals we can do. Um, We are, you know, five active brokers in the market, but we have a full team of graphic designers, photographers, printers, you know, we've got a full team behind us, uh, financial analysts. And um, so we are running fast and uh, it's been really exciting. Uh, Twin Cities market is booming, just like a lot of other markets in different ways, maybe than some of the Sunbelt places I know you're invested in. Um, but it's also growing and moving in a lot of different ways. And uh, I think we'll get into that here. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, let's hit the marketing stuff. Uh, you, you mentioned that they had been doing some of the deals, but most people didn't know that, quite frankly. I didn't know that they had been doing the size of the size of deals they're doing now, you guys are doing now. Um, so let's, let's dive in marketing. Um, how has that changed the company? Have you seen a large increase in the volume of deals? Have you seen a large increase in the, the dollar volume of deals? Um, have you, do you feel like that marketing has played out in a positive role in the company? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So for example, um, in gosh, I'm going to, in a couple of years ago, let's just say seven years ago, we sold Calhoun Towers, which is right on what used to be Lake Calhoun, now yeah. uh, Dame And we sold that for $36 million. No one knew. And uh, people knew in the, in the community, but, um, you know, people um, didn't see that visually. So what I've done is really with our, with our marketing team, graphic designers, uh, financial analysts, things like that, we have really made it so that every sale that we have is fully broadcasted. So people know about what we have for sale right away. We've, you know, um, with our website, for example, that's up to date on like every single week, we keep that really updated. Um, we've always had a really broad contact list of buyers and sellers, um, but people are seeing us more kind of like um, how syndicators like podcasts and they do, they when people see you, they trust you. And when they see what you've done, they recognize what you can do. And so just by letting people know what we are doing, what we have done, it really has opened a lot of doors. We've been doing a lot of pitches for new developments. And, you know, that's an, a trend as well. And in the Twin Cities where there's been a boom of development, but we have been neck and neck with all of the major national shops. And, you know, something for us is we have the Twin Cities market became national, um, you know, within the last 10 to 15 years, but before it was very local. And so our boutique was, that was a sweet spot. We knew everybody, we were able to do all the deals. When it became national, we recognized, okay, there needs to be a pivot here because we are rock stars, but because, you know, the national firms have national um, presence, people feel as though they um, have a step up. But the truth is a boutique firm, we can give you, um, you know, individual attention that a national firm might not be able to do. They also do a good job. Don't want to downplay anyone there. Um, but, you know, the internet and um, access to the same exact information. Um, we also have a very similar team as they have. We just can be more agile than they can be. And that has really leveled the playing field. People are not questioning if our buyers are the same. We have all the same buyers. That's the thing. We all have the same buyers. So you now choose the broker that you have the best relationship with because every firm um, is valid. And so now it really is just a choice of who has the best relationship with, who do you have a relationship with? Because all of us top firms here in Minnesota we're the only boutique brokerage, but we know all the same people. And just as an example of that, so we are the Cliffs of Minnetonka, 456 units right in Minnetonka, um, premier location. You really can't get more premier than that. Yeah, and, fa fantastic spot. And yeah, yeah. It, I, is it under contract yet? I, I, don't, I don't know how much you can disclose, but. Yeah, it closes on... 
I'm not sure when this will get posted, but it'll close next Tuesday. So about a week yeah. from now. And um, the price will be public record at that point. And um, people are, you know, it's, we, well, I, can't, I can't speak to that, but um, until yeah. it, you know. Public. But it'll but, sell for a very nice oh, price. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, that firm, they chose us, they chose us because of the relationship they had with us. There's no question of if we can do the deal, we do the deal. And they are still choosing us for some other deals that we're working on with them because, um, we are, we, I mean, we answer their calls. We're there for them. They want something we're doing it. And that's the kind of brokerage we are. That's what we want to continue to do. And, um, I think that uh, the visibility of that has improved our ability to win deals that we're going to national brands. Like I said, don't want to take away from the national guys because they're good guys, but some deals go to national brands because of branding. Because they and, are a national brand. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. the playing field is the same. We market on the same platforms. So there is the advantage that you have is the relationship with the broker. Who do you like to work with? Uh, that matters. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, you know, again, it's, it's probably because of how you've, how you, you know, Michael commercial has been pushing. Uh, but the deals that I see in the twin cities uh, typically has been over the last decade has been more of the national brands. Uh, you know, we have CBRE. That's probably the bigger one. There's, there's uh, you know, it's JLL Marcus Millichap and, and, and so on. But I've really seen, your brokerage, Michael Commercial, really start to swallow up a lot of the properties, the larger assets like this Minnetonka asset you mentioned, and several others that I've seen over the last, you know, year, year and a half, maybe two years. Um, it feels like you, your brokerage is getting a large percentage. So kudos to you for for doing the marketing and opening it up because look, I mean, as you mentioned, the Twin Cities has become a much more national market in not very long ago, probably 90% of the properties were owned by local people. Um, and the the 10% that weren't were owned by people from like Iowa, Wisconsin and North Dakota. So, you know, pretty much local. Uh, and, and now it's a much more national. So you have to get your name out there. Yep. And as I, as I'm doing a search and I'm, I'm from Minnesota and I'm searching in Tennessee, I am quite frankly, going to ARA Newmark and seeing if they have a presence in the market, going to CBRE, seeing if they have a presence in the market, going to those big national firms and seeing if they have a presence in the market and then calling them. Those are the first people I call. So you have, you do have a disadvantage by not being a national player, but obviously getting your, the word out there, getting the marketing, and then getting some of these huge properties has been uh, probably uh, amazing for, for the business and for the growth. And, and like you said, getting those buyers on the list, that's, that's really important, right? Uh, probably one of the bigger factors is you have to prove that when you list a property, you're going to get people to, to view the property. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the internet and the platforms that we use, we all have our own thousands of buyers, yeah. but the platforms we use are the exact same. So, I mean, Real Capital Markets is the platform we all use for those large institutional sized properties that mm. um, more national presence are yeah. interested in. We have all the local guys. We know everyone's number. The national guys, we have their number too. And 
um, we use the same platform. So the advantage there is really the relationship. Who do you trust? Who do you want to work with? Because uh, we're, you know, those national brands were used to be able to come into meetings and say, well, we know these people. Um, we all know the same people. So um, yeah, yeah, love it. Let's shift gears. I want to talk about the market. What's going on? We can talk locally. We can talk nationally, however you want to dial it in. But let's talk about what's happening in the market. We've got interest rates that are rising very quickly. Uh, we've got inflation that's, that's you know, crazy. We've got uh, uncertainty with, you know, Ukraine and, and still kind of COVID, even though that's mostly, I think, in kind of most people's rearview mirrors, but there's still, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. How is it affecting uh, the market right now? Have you seen any kind of shift one way or the other in, in the real estate market um, that, you know, that you're playing in? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we really focus on the twin Cities. So let me just really speak to the twin cities, but we have a presence out state Minnesota as well. So let me focus first on the twin cities in the Twin Cities, properties are still hot. You know, the best way to hedge against inflation is real property, and people are throwing their money at real property. Uh, great for my business, great for sellers. Uh, it's getting more challenging for buyers to make deals work in their own market, whereas, you know, people like you are looking to other markets as well. But there is a lot of money to still be made in real estate in Minnesota. Um, it's very competitive. Currently, you know, interest have, have rates- Have you seen interest rates do anything yet? Yeah, good question. So with interest rates right now being, um, you know, last week I was talking to a mortgage broker at 475 mm -hmm. for uh, property. You know, I'm not sure today what that is, but- um, that was a little bit higher. Yep, yeah. So that was last week. And um, right now, um, depending on what kind of property, if it's a value add property, you know, that's different, sometimes different way of financing too. Yeah. Um, right now, I have not seen a change. There's so much demand that we are still pricing properties very aggressively. And as long as, you know, pretty much if you're going to price a property below, below a four, seven cap, then, you know, your underwriting needs to adjust because that really is getting uh, challenging. If it's not a value add property, if it's a stabilized asset, um, but currently we are not seeing that adjustment yet. If the interest rates continue to rise, there's going to need to be a price adjustment, but we're not seeing it yet. And we're not, um, you know, I'm a broker, so I, I'm not, uh, I'm not devaluing someone's property. Yeah. You're at, not going to push a devaluation. No, you're you're no, going to no. wait till the market tells you it's yeah. devaluing it for sure. For sure. Um, is is value add still the hot property in the Twin Cities? It depends. Yes, in suburban markets, yes, for sure. Now in St. Paul and Minneapolis, no. Um, you know, value add properties in St. Paul have really been put on pause because you really can't do any value add. You have a three percent current cap. They are talking and they're 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 shifting things, but nothing has been shifted yet. So. Um, you know, we we were working on a property in St. Paul earlier. We had a price for it. Well, this um, rent control happened. Uh, buyer is no longer interested in that price. The seller can't take the cut that the buyer is now interested in because they can't do the value add. So we're at an impasse. This, you know, sellers, sellers, a lot of sellers, very in, 
um, strong understanding sellers are recognizing that they're not able to push that value on the value add proposition anymore. People who long-term sellers who um, are struggling with rent control sometimes don't believe it's actually going to happen. So they're not able to, they are still valuing their properties as though there's no, no change and um, that doesn't work right now. So St. Paul aside, Minneapolis has come out and said, we're not going to be St. Paul. We, this was voted in. We are going to likely do something, but it's going to be thoughtful. It's going to be researched and we're not doing a, you know, 3%. So Minneapolis people, there are people still, you know, local long-term investors have shifted to suburban properties as a large, you know, group, but people yeah. are still interested in Minneapolis much more than they are in St. Paul. So St. Paul, would you say, and so for those who aren't understanding exactly what happened in St. Paul, there was a pass of a 3% rent increase and it doesn't matter what happens, property sells, you can still only up by 3%. You do a major rehab, sorry, but you can only up by 3%. Somebody moves out, sorry, you can only go up by 3% for the next tenant. doesn't matter, 3%, that's it. Are you seeing... Um, it sounds like you probably are uh, just a lot of hesitancy in St. Paul. Are you, are, are you currently listing a lot of St. Paul deals or is it just kind of, everybody's just kind of in a wait and see mode? Yeah. Good question. Things have traded in St. Paul. Um, we have done some proposals in St. Paul. Um, we are, when we do a proposal in St. Paul right now, while I am an optimistic broker, I need to stand by what the law is saying currently. So I'm not yeah. able to perform a, um, and I won't perform a things more than what is legal to do currently. So, right. you know, so we are valuing things and uh, we're just, you know, getting creative with our valuations. But I would say that people who are thinking about selling, if they've held for 30 years, this is a really hard pill for them to swallow when they get back their valuation. And mm. the other thing, their valuation is less sometimes than the current tax valuation because Ramsey County, uh, where St. Paul is located, yeah. has gone to town on tax, yeah. you know, valuing. So well, they knew this rent control was coming. So you, you gotta jack everybody's taxes up to the as high as we can go. So then nobody complains when you're only raising it by three <laughs> yeah, percent. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. But suburban product value add is where people can make money. That's where people can, you know, take um, an owner that's owned something for a long time that has just been keeping it going and rents are way below market. You do the value add and boom, all of a sudden you bought it at a three cap. Now you're at a stabilized five plus cap and you're able to sell it in within your, you know, however many years you want to do and really come out with a nice chunk of change and move on. And so that still is a play that's working. That's, that, that's, more the play than buying a existing no value add property because it's the cap rate is going to be low and interest rates are right in line. Yep. Crystal ball, inflation, interest rates, uh, Ukraine, what is multifamily, whether it's in the twin cities or nationwide, what are the, what's the long-term I guess maybe not even long-term, I'm not talking like 50 year outlook, but what's the, what's the outlook for multifamily in your opinion and maybe in Michael commercial opinion? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were just talking to uh, a um, 
gosh, I don't even know what his name is. Uh, I think he's a stockbroker or some, we were talking to, you know, we're talking to all these different kinds of people. And he was saying that um, as we're looking at interest rates, you know, so Steve, my dad in the eighties, um, interest rates were at 20% right. and that's how they combated inflation. Yeah. And we were asking about that, you know, is this going to be the, what they do again? And uh, economists told us likely, no, likely 6% or so will do the job. I, you know, well, and they started a, a lot quicker, um, you know, if, if people, and I was not really, you know, a privy at that time, but as I, as I look back and read it, uh, it's inflation was going really strong for a really long time without raising interest rates. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I do think interest rates will continue to get raised. You know, the Fed said they're going to do it. I think they're going to do it. They, yep. they indicated that for a reason. Um, the world situation is also, you know, playing a role here too. Certainly. Um, I think that we have gotten comfortable with low rates, but we knew that how, how much lower can you go then? We sold a $50 million property in 2021 or 2020 and they got a 275 interest rate. Yep. How much lower can you go than 275? I mean, yep. I refinanced in 2020 for a 2.7. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it, it's like you can't expect to go lower than that. Everyone knew it could only really go up. I mean, I don't know. But so I think people were seeing, you know, um, this is going to go up. And I think we should expect that, you know, we can't live at 275 forever. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope it doesn't go up too much, but um, how do you hedge against inflation? Historically, you get into real, you get into real estate. And, um, you know, personally, that's what my husband and I, what we're doing. And, you know, we've seen people, syndicators like yourself, really like this is a, your business is a booming one because people are taking their money whatever money they have, 50,000, hundred thousand million dollars. And they're pulling it out of different avenues, whatever avenue they were in. And they're putting it into real estate because that, you know, the appreciation of that historically has just continued to increase where it's stuck right. up and down and, you know, the whole story. Yeah. It feels like such a more stable asset, which is what I, I love about it. Hey, the North Star Real Estate Conference is back. It's May 2nd and 3rd, and this year it's a bit different. We're gonna be hammering in on multifamily real estate, and we're gonna show you asset management, value add strategies, raising millions of dollars through syndication, and how to find those hidden gems in today's market that are just so tough to find. And one of the biggest things I'm excited to bring you is industry experts that you're gonna be able to put on your team so you can hit the ground running day one. So join us. May 2nd and 3rd at the North Star Real Estate Conference. Look forward to seeing you there. Let's talk, because I know a lot of people listening, a lot of people listening want to buy more real estate. So they want to know, how can I buy the best deals? Like, I want to call up Michael Commercial, and I go, Michael Commercial, tell me where your deals are, and how do I get those? So let's break it down. How does how does a buyer become a buyer in your eyes? Maybe give me a few of the key ingredients and then we'll probably dig a little deeper. So how does a buyer become a buyer in your eyes? Yes, good. Well, I'm glad you asked the question. I even have a list of what I like in buyers. So first of all, everyone is always saying, oh, we wanna buy off-market deals. Yeah. So let me break it down. 
as a broker, if I'm bringing you an off-market deal, I am expecting you to pretty much act on that deal because I've gone through the deal. I know what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And if I pretty much have one opportunity to bring one person in. And so when I have an off-market deal, I'm acting on it fast because I mean, this is a fast business. If I don't act on it, everyone else is calling everyone else. I mean, it's a small community, you know? Yeah. And so I am thinking in my mind, I've decided who is the person that this best suits and who is the person who has recently purchased properties already has, you know, relationships is able to fund it, you know, all that stuff. But beside that, who is actually going to act on this? Because if I have one shot to bring in someone, I mean, I want to bring in the best person because you know, this is how I make money. That's how you make money. So if I'm bringing in someone that doesn't act, you really missed the shot with me. And I do remember that. And so for example, I'm, I've got a portfolio in outstate Minnesota right now. And um, I have a buyer who bought from us twice. They won the bid on multiple properties that we listed outstate. They came in strong at the pricing. They didn't finagle us for fees. They're, they also have their real estate license. They didn't try to get a cut of any of our commission, any of that. They're easy. They make the deal. It's a clean, easy, a surety of close. Um, and that's what we're looking for as a broker, because we're out there. We know about all the deals that ever we know about the deals. And um, but we need to bring it to someone that will actually act on it. So the acting on a deal is very important. Another thing, too is I want to see that you've been buying stuff. You know, everyone says they want to buy. And when I list a property, there's a group of people sometimes, and I'm just, this is just hypothetical, but I, I typically get emails that say, I can't believe you're pricing it at this, or I can't believe the cap rate. And then it sells like four months later for more than I priced it at. <laughs> Those people, I will never call. You know, I will never bring them an off-market deal because they are shopping in an ideal world. They're not shopping in the current market. Yeah. And so they say they're, they say they're this, but they're not. And they, those people will knock on my door and they'll say, you're not bringing me off market deals. And I'm like, well, you know, why would I, why would I? Yeah. So another thing, yeah. Another thing too, um, that I really appreciate is, um, people who are just really straight to it. So I brought someone just last week, an off market deal. And within a day, um, he looked it over and right away, he said, you know, I don't have the bandwidth for this right now. Love that. Really appreciate that. You got back to me really, really fast. So and I that's can not going to hurt him. No, in the future. No. no. So you don't, I mean, like, you know, every deal I bring to you, you can't act on everything. So, yeah. you know, just but, being honest helps you understand that they're going to tell you the truth when they can do the deal, I suppose. And quickly because quickly. everything's moving quickly. So, um, yeah, really appreciate that. How fast is, is you, you, I get an off market deal from you. Um, you send it over. How, how fast do you expect me to respond? Yeah. You know, it depends on the, if it's a really complex deal with a lot of things like sure. you know, your typical oh, normal deal, right? Yeah. You know, within, within a week would be, would be ideal. I would yeah. like it be, be sooner, be but a couple days. Um, Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's what I appreciate. So, um, you know, what I really appreciate, for example, uh, I'll use your partner, Matt Bronner, uh, like last year, I brought him something, he reviewed it, we saw it. And um, it was pretty quick, and it didn't end up working out. But I appreciated that, like, 
he was all in and that was a priority for him, or at least it felt like it was a priority for him because it was a priority for me because I had this window of opportunity before someone else also was got into my window. Yeah. That's why Matt is in charge of our, uh, underwriting process with our, with our underwriter, because he's going to get back very quickly and he's very good at communicating. So that's how you set your team up, right? If you're not good at it, you better find somebody else that's good at it because the brokers are not going to like you if you don't respond quickly and accurately back to them. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Can I also share, I also made, so I made a little list here of things I love about a buyer. And uh, also let's hear it. Okay. A couple pet peeves as well. I want to hear those big time. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I appreciate people touching base from time to time. Um, I also appreciate if someone like someone wants to meet me, they're like, Hey, can I quickly, can we set up a 15 minute phone call? I just want to meet you. Um, coffee, coffee takes a lot of time and I I'm busy. You know, yeah. I really want to meet you, uh, but um, coffee is not for me right now because I'm running fast and I don't, um, you know, so anyway, yeah. I want to meet no, you. No, that but- makes sense. And Zoom is so easy. Like, let's yeah. jump on a Zoom for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Yep. Um, another thing, uh, really appreciate, respectful and appreciative. This is any job, but one of those things is um, if I'm listing a property, I give you a call. It's not for you. No big deal. Just say, move on. Keep me in touch. Uh, this is what I'm looking for. Love that. I keep notes on every single person and what they're looking for. So I really appreciate that. Mm. Um, when people question your uh, performance or things, um, totally cool to make your own performa. That's what you should do as a buyer. But to actively question the broker about their choices and then the property sell for over my, my valuation, um, uh, no need for that. So just, uh, take my performa and take your thing, just run with it. You don't have to worry. You don't have to come back and question, question me, just run with it. The market will speak. Think Um, think about the respect you're giving the broker, I suppose, right? You know, you're a professional, you guys are trying your best to value a property. Of course, you're trying to be optimistic. Like, yeah, Yeah. you're trying to get the seller the most amount of money possible. That's just common sense, but you know, Uh let's be respectful for what I've done. (laughs) And another thing too, like, um, so with a broker, I mean, I totally get uh, someone like you, let me just use you an example. You have, you have, you bought a property, you fixed up a property. Now you're coming to a broker and a broker wants to scrape off the top of your hard work. So I understand the frustration that that could be with that someone scraping off the top, but you know, my job is relationships. I know all the people in the market. I know who's buying. I know who can get you the best price. I can get you the best price. You might not be able to do that by yourself because maybe you don't know all those connections that I know. So when people really, um, you know, question um, a broker's value um, and typically buyers, I'm not always sure why buyers are telling the broker why they question their value. And maybe because I'm newer that they, you know, you know, people just, you know, whatever. I'm just like, hmm, well, you know, when you call me for off-market deals, there's a reason why I don't call you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then another thing I so appreciate, there is a really good guy in our market and there's more than just him, but he was like, Heidi, I pay brokers, buyers commit, like he's a buyer. He said, I'm going to pay you a commission if you can't wow. get it from the seller because the sellers that, that are, Oh, if you can't get it from the seller. Right. 
like an off-market deal. So if yeah. I market the property, but an off-market deal, sometimes long-term sellers, they see the skim off the top broker mm-hmm. and they're like, he'll get me an offer, but I'm not paying you a commission. And for me, I'm like, okay, well, you know, how do I get paid? Well, the buyer, this guy told me, he's like, Heidi, I want to pay you. If you ever get me someone that's not going to pay you, I'll pay you because it's worth your time. I value who you are. So guess who I call when I have something that fits his criteria. Yeah, especially something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, just that respect and really appreciate that. And then also being easy to work with. Um, I had two deals here, two off market, big deals, new construction and the seller was very amicable and were um, very reasonable and the buyer um, was in kind reasonable as well then i had an and that deal has been going very smoothly then i had another deal where the seller was um it was an off-market deal and the seller really felt like they were in control because they had the property the buyer wanted and um, we were in negotiations with the purchase agreement and the buyer or the seller felt like they were completely in charge. They were not budging on any sort of attorney conversation. And my buyer wanted that property, but actually felt that working with this person was not in their best interest. And they decided, you know what, Um, we're going to just walk away from that. And um, the seller was shocked because the seller was getting an over market value for the price yeah, I mean, we're talking like a sub four cap on actuals for a stabilized asset where there's no upside. Wow. He, he cannot bring this to market and get that same price. Sure. But he thought he was holding all the cards. My buyer has a lot of money. We went somewhere else. Yep. And so just kind of that, like working, being willing to work with each other. Yeah, no kidding. It's funny that you say that. I have, I have canceled purchase agreements because of a seller that I don't trust. And it's mostly because they're probably trying to do something similar. They think they're in control. They feel like they're in control. And you're like, look, I, I just don't even trust you. I, don't, I can't buy your property. Like, I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I can't buy it because I don't trust you at all. Yeah, exactly. And then, okay, so pet peeves here, retrading. If you retrade with me over something that's not serious, like if something is yeah, serious. That's what I was going to ask. What 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 is what is the definition of a, of a bad retrade? Like what's what's bad, what's okay? Well, it's just like if you go into a property and you say, I'm going to pay this price and then you get there and you're like, well, the screen doors are all cracked Mm. and you're like, well, you know, this is as is a screen door cracking is not a water damage. It's not um, structural. It is not, you know, and also you saw the entire property when we signed up this purchase agreement, the screen doors were cracked. Then they're cracked. Now nothing has changed those types of things. I had another deal. I have another deal that um, they got there and they wanted $10,000 off. And, um, and I said, you know, I, yeah, I think it's in your best interest. You know, if $10,000 is really the negotiating thing for something not, uh, uh, you know, that was visible during the whole thing. Um, I think the seller might want to go to the next person because we've got many people in line. Yeah. And he said, oh, I thought this was typical because he hadn't bought anything in a while. Mm. And in this competitive market, when you go in with the price, it really needs to be that price unless there is water, structural, something that was not there when you yeah. put it under contract. Or if you have serious mold or something that's you know d- detrimental that you couldn't see, now that's all different. But if it's just, you know, oh gosh, can you get me 10,000 here? Can you get me 5,000 there? Can you, you know, 
little things, fix the mailboxes and, oh, if you don't fix them, let's take $2,000 off. It's like, you know, yeah, you're not buying a single family house from somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a, the price is the price unless there is something serious. And if there's something serious, that is, I don't consider that a reach. Well, that is retrading, but I don't consider it a negative. That is just the property was not as, um, especially if it wasn't disclosed, it's not easy to find Yes, a structural foundation issue. That's not glaringly obvious, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah I, I that, that for sure. Yeah. So that's my list. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm an investor. I've never bought a property before, but I'm serious. I've got money. Like I'm ready to buy. How do I prove to you? Cause you told me I've got to like, I've got to, I've already closed on deals and I've you know done all these things and I have a history, but I don't have a history. How do I get my first deal uh, with Michael commercial and actually prove that I can do it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, and a good way to start and a good way to build a relationship. So, you know, let's just, let's just say you're wanting to get into this market. If there's a property that we have listed, we market very well. You'll know about it. Contact me, get on my email distribution list and you'll know, you'll get all of our on-market listings and um, come to a showing, meet us, get some of our information, a showing that you're interested in yeah. um, and um, put in a bid because when you put in a bid um, and, and ask me like, you know, let's just say you're fine with the price. Ask me about what terms you think would the seller would be interested in. We can work that through. Um, just because you, we haven't worked together doesn't mean I'm not going to sell you anything. You know, um, that's not the problem, but um, now an off market deal. I have one shot. Sometimes if yeah. I have more than one shot, I'm willing to bring it. But if I have one shot, um, you know, I might, um, bring it to someone where I can pretty much know that it's going to be, it's going to work. Um, but for on market stuff, or if it's an off market deal where I have more than one shot, um, I'll bring it to you. I don't have a problem working with new people. I love to work with new people. You know, that's my business is constant meeting people. And, um, and if you, if you want to buy a property, there are properties to buy and I'm happy to sell it to you. I had one of a broker that I, work with in, um, in the Cincinnati, Kentucky market. I asked him, I said, what's your, what's one of your pet peeves with people? And he goes, everybody wants an off market deal. So they call me up. They say, Hey, what do you got off market? And I say, well, I've got this and this and this that are listed. Uh, you should really take a look at those. And they go, no, I don't want to look at those. I want what you have off market. And he goes, that just pisses me off because we spend a lot of time marketing deals, putting our time and effort into them. And we try really hard to make sure we're pricing them to market. And then all you're doing is begging me for an off-market deal, which by the way, he's like half the time, those are going to sell for as much or more as the marketed deal anyways. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I totally echo that. And um, another thing too, someone's like, what do you have off market? And I'll tell them what they have. What else do you have? Well, <laughs> like, you know, and, but it is what it is. People are. Yeah. You're always going to get that, right? But if you want to be a good buyer, again, think about who you're dealing with and the brokers are adding a ton of, of value. It's, you know, okay, great. If you can find a property without a broker and buy and execute a successful transaction, that's fine. But I, we find that pretty much every property we've ever bought has came through a broker 
they control the market. They, they are out there. I mean, what's, what's your job? Your job is to go out there and build relationships. That's what yeah. you do every single day. That's not my job. My job. Yeah, I do build relationships, but my job, I, I'm trying to acquire properties. We're trying to operate properties. Um, yeah. So it's, I'm not hounding all the sellers in the market. And even if I was, they also want to see who else is out there yeah. to maybe give them a better offer. For sure. And they know that, you know, they know that a broker knows the people who are out yeah. there. And if you, so for example, we're listing a property in a couple of weeks that this seller works with us pretty exclusively. And, um, this seller has been getting calls from one person, um, in uh, a national person a lot, and they've been saying numbers to them. Well, that, that, um, seller is like, great. I'm going to use your number and go to market and see if, if, if that's the number, you know, and another property that we recently put under contract. Um, so like preemptive offers, let's talk preemptive offers. Cause it's kind of like an off market thing too. It's on the market, but they're wanting to quickly stop the marketing. It's kind of like they're wanting to treat it. They want to stop the marketing. So they're preemptive offer. Well, just, um, as a, as a, um, situation, um, the preemptive offer ended up being, um, 15 million low. So, you know, it was what they thought was competitive. So just kind of an idea of people yeah. thinking what the market is and um, assuming that the market is this because that's what they think, but the, but then you go through a broker and, you know, so. Love it. One more piece of advice you can give us as a buyer or a seller right now, this market, go. Yep. Um, something we're seeing with large properties, um, institutional properties, hard money day one. Yeah. Hard money day one, and this is large institutional properties, um, but hard money after um, right away, whether it's with an access agreement or um, on at PSA, and I'm talking like not, not $100,000, not $500,000, millions hard money. And like what um, percentage would you say are you seeing it as a percentage of the purchase price? Oh, gosh. Um, 2% perhaps. Okay. Um, just, you know, just as a throwing it out as what I've seen, um, we've had, so that's institutional, but I think also it could trickle down. If there's a property that you really want it, there is so much goodwill. We were at a meeting with a seller and they were, got an offer millions less than another offer, but they had a substantial hard money day one, pretty much. They were saying, let's waive everything except uh, title and environmental. And, um, we're going to waive everything. Let's just make it super easy for you. And, um, that seller said, there's a dollar amount to be put on this clean offer. Those were like pretty much their verbatim words. Now it, um, we didn't end up going there, but it was like, it brought that person to the top and they were not at the top and they got to enter a final round. They weren't involved in because of their positive standing. And that goodwill right out of the gate is, it can be super risky, but if you know your market, you know your properties and you, you can kind of see, you know, when you go to a property, you kind of can tell the way the seller is with, they don't take care, you know, and, um, so hard money is really competitive. And in those institutional properties, even mid-sized properties, it's expected right now. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Unfortunately, I hate it as a buyer, uh, but <laughs> that's, that's just the market you're, we're in right now. And if you want to be serious about getting properties, consider putting some decently substantial, and, and by the way, talk to your broker, right? right? Talk to the local brokers that are in the market. They'll be able to tell you what's expected. Hey, do you get, is, is hard money expected right now? Yes or no. Um, most markets, every market I'm in, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, it is. And it wasn't like that, you know, not very, I mean, just, just even just a few years ago, it wasn't like that, uh, in quite a few markets. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, pretty much it's the assurity of close because if, you know, sellers taking a risk on you right now, they're taking a substantial risk because interest yeah. rates are increasing. If you don't close on this and they go back, they go to the market in two months, their, their potential profit is already whatever the interest rate, a gap is. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. And I like hard money as a broker because it is a surety of close. Yeah. Now you're like, Hey, we're going to close on this deal. This is great. <laughs> and my, my goal for the seller is to get the best price and to make sure it gets across the finish line. Love it. Um, all right. So Heidi, you got a couple last questions before we wrap up. These are more of my, uh, traditional questions here. What, what is a, what's a favorite book that you can, um, give to our listeners? Uh, are you talking like a real estate book or just a regular book? Real estate or business or mindset? Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't want to be the cliche of pretty much all the books that everyone else reads, yada, yada, yada. Can I go against a book? I'm going to go with podcasts because other than your podcast, I listen to Victor Menashe podcast and he is so in tune with national markets. And it is, a, I think it's a five minute daily podcast. I learned so much from him. He's got a lot of insight. And um, so that Love is it. probably what I've been doing. Cool. Awesome. Um, all right. Last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Yep. Good question. Um, man, make money, yep. invest money, build relationships. Um, I think that's kind of my thing because for example, um, I do what I call goodwill investing and I invest in people that I want to work with or that I have worked with. If you trust me, I trust you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I've been investing with syndicators, uh, in this market. And I also am saying, Hey, if, if you let me sell your building, I'm, I want to turn that income around and put it in your next, um, your next raise, whatever it is. And I don't even care where it is. Could be in Louisville, Kentucky. Don't care. I trust you. <laughs> um, if you trust me, I, I want to trust you. And I want to, you know, you believe in my business. I want to believe in yours. And so that relationship part is really important to me. And my husband and I, we are focused on investing very heavily in real estate and doing the goodwill investing even beyond the returns. Because if I trust someone like yourself, who is saying you're going to, you know, here's your target returns. Pretty much everybody that we work with has the same target returns. So it just like a broker, you decide who you like, who you trust, who you want to work with. I'm the same as an investor. I decide who do I like, who do I trust, who has a track record, who do I want to give my money to. So um, make money, invest money, build relationships. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, and you're going to be at the North Star Real Estate Conference. I don't even know if this will come out before the conference or like the day of the conference or like the week after the conference. I'm not sure, but anyways, you'll be there. So I'm excited to have you there up on stage. Uh, Michael commercials uh, sponsoring it. So big thanks to Michael commercial. 
Um, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about my commercial, learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, go ahead. Find me on LinkedIn, uh, Heidi Addo, A-D-D-O. Also my email, H-A-D-D-O at michaelcommercialre.com. Awesome. Heidi, really appreciate it. Um, appreciate the time. And, and you know, look, it, it's, I think there's so many people out there that just want to figure out how do I really build these relationships with brokers? I want to get these great deals. Um, and it's just, it really just comes down to, as you said, at the very end, just building relationships and building trust with the brokers and you're going to start to see the deals come. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Thanks a lot. Thanks Todd. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.